Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. And we're going to kind of jump into a scripture in, in, in uh, Exodus chapter 4. Oh, Shredder Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah. I'm ahead of myself. Shredder Wednesday. Sh- it used to be Shredder Sunday, but now we moved it because I guess... Anyway, so it's the 28th today. It's Shredder Wednesday. Shredder Wednesday is so important because uh, I'm not sure if you got to see the new Twisted. Um, just a few adaptations. But, but there's one line in there where the angels, you know, burst into... Ebenezer's house and you know and he's like who are you you know I demand you you know name uh, reveal yourselves and and then he says you know the father has not given up on you that man was many things but a father was not one of them and he goes through this whole thing and then he says I'm not leaving my house and he says we're not taking you out of your house this is not a where it's a when he says we're taking you back to when you were just a boy and immediately Ebenezer kind of stumbles and he says why why would you take me back there? And he says, Ebenezer, because until you face the pain of your past, you can't defeat the demons of your present. Until you face the pain of your past, you can't defeat the demons of your, of your present. We, we, we believe in the Bible and we believe that the Bible teaches that there are four dimensions, not three. Science will teach you that there are three. We live in a three-dimensional world: height, depth, breadth. But the Bible actually teaches that there's a fourth dimension, which is the spiritual realm, and the spiritual realm is very, very real. The angels operate in the spirit realm. Demons also operate in the spirit realm. The difference between angels and demons is, like you would have seen in Twisted, that angels actually operate in honor, and they never force their way in. When you call upon them, they come. When you pray, they're released. But they never, they never invade, they never break in. The devil's not like that. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief, and he's talking about the devil, comes to steal, comes to kill, comes to destroy. There are demonic things that are attached to the dysfunctions, the traumas, the abuses, the issues, even generational stuff that is handed down. I, I always want to almost want to just tell you that this isn't so, so we could go on preaching. But I got saved on a beach and I realized when I got saved, Jesus came into my heart and I was 100% born again. The moment I received Christ, I was not only born again, but I was going to heaven. I knew that, that I, I had everlasting life. I had eternal life. But if I was honest with you, my relationships, my fruitfulness in this life had limits, had ceilings because it was gripped by the dysfunctions. And the Holy Spirit, and that, that was kind of why I wrote it into Twisted, the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to face the pain of your past so you can defeat the demons of your present. But the, 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 the pain of my past was too painful. I didn't want to do it. And so God does this all the way through the Bible. So I want you to know that God wants you to have a Bible experience in this life. He doesn't want you to read, read the Bible like it's a textbook or, you know, a theory or a philosophy that somebody else wrote, Plato or Socrates. But the Bible actually is alive and living and sharper than any two-edged 
double-edged sword. And when you, when you begin to, to read the Scripture, two things that you'll see. The first thing that you'll see when you read the Bible is you begin to see God. The second thing that you begin to see is you begin to see yourself. The first thing you see when you read the Scriptures is you'll see God. But the second thing is you'll see yourself. And it operates in that order because you were created in His image, in His likeness. So as you read the Bible, if you don't begin to see yourself, you need to get a fresh revelation on who God is. Because as you begin to see God, you begin to see you. And, uh, and it's amazing because every time I would see me, most of the time I would have Homer Simpson moments of dope and 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 because I saw me in Samson, I saw me in Saul, I saw me in Jacob, like I saw me in all the wrong places. I'm like, shut the gate. God, you got the wrong person. I'm a mess on legs. How can you use me in ministry? And, uh, and he says, you know, I can use anybody, but what I delight in is people that will see what I want to show them. I don't need people that are blind or ignorant or prideful or pretend, you know, put on the facade, greetings and salutations, brethren. How you doing, Pastor Jurgen? Oh, blessed and highly favored. How are you doing? Like, don't live there. Live in a place where, hey, God's with me. God's working on me. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. While I'm alive, I haven't arrived, but I'm pressing. I'm pushing forward. One thing I do, forgetting what is, I press forward to lay hold of that which has laid hold of me. So tonight, we're going to jump into to some of these things. And just, just so you know, the Bible says uh, that, that in, in, I think it's uh, Genesis 28, that, that Jacob has an encounter with God where he has a dream and he sees that the church is the gate of heaven. The church is the gate of heaven. If you ever go to, uh, to, to England, uh, there's the royal guard at the palace and they guard the gate. And not anybody can come in the gate. You've got to be a dignitary, a VIP. You've got to be invited. Your name has to be on the list. They're the gatekeepers of who comes in and who goes out. Jacob has an encounter with God and he says, my God, he says, I didn't realize, but this is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The reason that we believe that all things are possible is because the church has been set up to be the gatekeepers of the kingdom of heaven. And what I mean by that is in heaven, there are no blind people. In heaven, there's no deaf. In heaven, there's no barren. In heaven, there's no cancer. In heaven, there's no suffering. There's no disease. There's no poverty. There's no lack. There's no demonic. The demons were cast out of heaven. Satan and his angels were dismissed and defeated and vanquished and cast out. They were thrown out of heaven. There's no torment in heaven. And Jesus says that you ought to pray that on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, the same beatdown the devil took in, the, in heaven is the same beatdown the sons and daughters of God are meant to bring to the devil here on earth. That's what we're meant to do. And so this is meant to be the house of miracles. So we hear all the time the terminal stage four cancer. Oh my gosh, pastor, it got healed. This person who had an ovary removed and told that they couldn't have, all of a sudden they're pregnant. People that tried for 14 years, spent 200 and something thousand dollars on fertility treatments, nothing. Walk into the doors of our house, get prayed for, and now they're, they're parents. It's the house of miracles. It's the house of miracles. But it's interesting because Jacob, his name was Jacob, which meant heel grabber, and God meets with him. 
And, and God asks him a question. He says, Jacob, well, he says to him, what is your name? What is your name? He says, my name is Jacob. And God says, no longer will you be called Yaakov. No, no longer will you be called Jacob. You'll be called Israel. Because God, Jacob was asking God for a blessing. And the last time Jacob had a blessing, the same question was asked, not by a heavenly father, but by an earthly father, Isaac, who had lost his sight. And he says, who are you? Who are you, my son? And he says, my name is Esau. Esau. Yes, I am Esau, your firstborn. Come close. The voice sounds like Jacob's. Let me touch you. Let me smell you. And he had on Jacob's clothing, Jacob's cologne. Uh, sorry, Esau's clothing, Esau's cologne. And he says, the voice is Jacob's, but the smell is Esau's. And he blessed him. Now fast forward, he's, when you steal a blessing. See, how you get something is how you got to keep it. When you steal and lie and cheat, you've got to keep stealing and lying and cheat. You know the problem with a lie? It can't stand by itself. If you tell a lie, you've got to tell another one to try and prop it, and then another one to try, and then another one to try. You know, global warming. It doesn't work, so then you've got to switch it to climate change. As though the climate's not meant to change. The climate's been changing for, it's called seasons. It's called weather. Anyway, and so, so God deals, God, deal, God takes him back to what is your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. And God says, I'm glad you didn't lie. I'm glad you didn't say you were somebody else. I didn't glad you, I'm glad you didn't have to pretend that you were somebody else to get blessing. He says, I'm going to bless you, but I need you to understand you are no longer Jacob, but you are Israel. You are not who you grew up believing you were. You are not who your parents labeled you. You are not that label that you're a heel grabber, that you're a stealer, that you're a thief, that you're a usurper. You, your name is Israel. You are a prince with God. God had to deal with his past before he could release the new. God did the same with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, Abraham, get out of your father's house. Get out of your tent. Leave the land. Leave the culture where you grew up and go to a land of which I will show you because there I'm going to make of you a great nation. In other words, if you read the preface, it, 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 God is saying to Abraham, unless you depart, I can't produce. Unless you leave the dysfunctions of your father's house, unless, unless you leave the brokenness, the limited, the small-mindedness, the unless you leave that, I can't do it. I got to get you. I have to deal. I have to cut off your past before I can unleash what I have for your future. God, God does this, you know, all, all the way, all the way through the scriptures. We see God coming to Hezekiah and Hezekiah has these threats from the Rabshaker and the, the, the mighty king, the, 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 this Assyrian king who has devastated every army that he's faced on the battlefield, slaughtered them, slaughtered them, now comes to, to, to King Hezekiah and he says, listen, he says, I'm going to do the same to Israel. I'm going to do the same to Jerusalem. I'm going to do the same to Samaria. I'm going to wipe this land and it's going to be mine. And, you're, and he's just brutal. And the Bible says that Hezekiah 
took the letter that this king, this mighty king, this undefeated king, and the Bible says he went into the temple of the Lord and he put that letter before the Lord and he fell prostrate before the Lord and he prayed and he says, God, see these words. That was the first Shredder Wednesday. He took the, he took the, the word in of the enemy and let God release a word. That's what God is going to do today. So we find we find in this story that, and I've already blown through the time, but in, in the story of Exodus chapter 4, Moses. God comes to Moses. Moses. Moses is 80 years of age and God says to Moses, I need you to go back to Egypt. He's like, back to Egypt. He says, God, you may have forgotten this, but... 40 years ago, I murdered an Egyptian soldier. That's why I had to flee. I had to run from Egypt because they put a bounty on my head. I was wanted for murder. I've been living in the wilderness. Look, don't judge me, but I married the pastor's daughter. I'm looking after his sheep. It's kind of like, hey, I'm a campus pastor or, you know, I'm a youth pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm looking after his flock and I've brought them to the back blocks. You know, this is, hey, this is, it's a second best. And God's like, I don't do second best. He says, you were born to be a deliverer. You are going to go back and you're going to face the demons of your past. You're going to face your transgressions. You're going to face your dysfunctions. You're going to face your failures, you're going to face and stand up with the authorities and you're going to face, trace and erase the things of your past because what I'm going to unleash is a future beyond your wildest imaginations. So it's interesting. So Moses goes in, we don't have time to read it, uh, but Moses goes into this argument with God and then God finally just says, Moses, I know I've got the right guy. What is that in your hand? He says, it's a stick. And God says, throw it down. He throws it down. It becomes a serpent. And Moses ran from it. And then God says, all right. He says, now I want you to go and pick it up. He's like, you pick it up. And God's like, no, you pick it up. So he grabs it by the tail and becomes a, a staff again. And then Mo God says to Moses, now do this. Take your hand and put it into your chest. He takes his hand and he puts it under and he puts it to his chest. And when he pulls it out, his hand was full of leprosy. And he freaks out and goes, put it back in. And he puts it back in. He pulls it out. And his, and his skin was as, as new as a baby's skin. And God says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And if they don't believe the first sign, they'll certainly believe the second sign. So there were two signs. The first one was the power to do miracles. But the second sign doesn't seem to make sense. It's I put my hand to my chest where my heart is. And I pull it out and it's full of leprosy. I put my hand back in there and I pull it out and it's restored, perfect and clean. God is saying that in your life, there are going to be miracles that I'll do externally. I'm going to do miracles for you. I'm going to do miracles with you. I'm going to do miracles through you. But that's not all I do. He says the, the second greatest work where people can say, where people, it'll be undeniable. When they look at your life, they say, man, God changed his heart. 
when he came to God, when he came into the kingdom, leprosy has always been symbolic of sin. His heart was full of sin. It was full of lust. It was full of transgression. It was full of bitterness and animosity and envy and hatred. But look at what God has done. God has dealt with it because he hasn't hidden it from God because he brought it from God. A changed life is everything. Many, many years ago, uh, the, we were living in New Zealand. I remember the circus came to town. The circus came to town and I took uh, Ashy's older brother. I would have taken Ash, but he wasn't born yet, selfishly. And, um, <laughs> and so I took his, his elder brother. His eldest brother was, was about maybe two, 20 months old. And I took Jordan. When we got to the zoo, at zoo when we got to the circus, they had um, all these, uh, uh, you know, giant elephants and I remember seeing these big male and you have no idea how big an elephant is till you see it like live but it was tied with this flimsy little rope to a pole and I remember you know we just kind of walked in I thought man why doesn't it just go poof and just snap it and then just stampede and I mean what a show that would be <laughs> people running for their lives and you know like and but anyway they didn't they didn't stampede and then I found out later that the reason, the reason that they can use the flimsiest little rope on the elephant is because when that elephant was a baby, they didn't use a rope. They used cast iron chain. They, they put a cast iron ring around its leg with a cast iron chain. And that elephant would struggle. It would do everything in its power even cutting into its own flesh, leaving a wound there, creating pain, but convincing its brain that resistance is futile. And now that that baby elephant is no longer a baby, but an adult, the same masters, they don't need to bring out cast iron rings and iron chains. The flimsiest little rope will hold the elephant at bay. This elephant that could stampede and tear the place up just stands all docile without any resistance. Just stands there because its brain was trained that resistance is futile. So many of us, because of the pain, the dysfunctions, the abuses of our past, because of those things, live with mindsets that we honestly believe are it's it's futile it's there's no point no you don't understand poverty is normal dysfunction is normal abuse is normal brokenness and I'd love to tell you this only happens with you know maybe five percent of the congregation Leanne and I that our first ever leaving Bible college going into ministry one of the pastors in the church one of the pastors in the church lived with such bitterness, hatred, and dysfunction because she'd never dealt with the abuse. She was abused as a teenager. And because she was abused by a drunk father, instead of being protected, the dysfunctions in her home, she fled from that home and married to get away from the abusive father. But she didn't realize because she didn't deal with the dysfunction there, she married the dysfunction. The same dysfunctions and abuse that was in the father was in the husband that she married. 
because on a subconscious level, all the values that were there in her, she saw there and she thought, oh, this must be a good man. He's saying all the right things. He's doing all the, only to find that she's in a loveless marriage. And she was a bitter, nasty, miserable person. Anointed, appointed, credentialed, recognized as a minister of religion by the assemblies of God, but very, very broken. She was broken, not because she wasn't anointed, not because she wasn't loved by God, but because she wouldn't deal with the past. She wouldn't deal with the pain. She wouldn't deal with the dysfunction. We just got back from, we just got back from Australia and it was a fun trip seeing family. But if I was honest with you, and, and my beautiful Liani will, will probably say that I'm a little overdramatic, but I, I fell apart like a cheap Chinese suit. I'm telling you, I, I, I ended up in bed for two or three days. I had it like a, because I saw in family things that I had to put to death, painful things, dysfunction things in my life that I had to fight, that I had to wrestle, I had to put to death. And I'm sitting with family members who don't have the same desire for God. And these things aren't just living there, they're, they're on parade. They're like doing dances and da, 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 da. I mean, I'm like, what the? And I'm seeing like, can't you see the dysfunction and the limit? And then I, I began to realize, my God, the reason your world is so small is because you've never put to death these dysfunctions. It gave me such a great love for Awaken. It gave me such a great love that, that we don't play religion on a Sunday. That, that, that we love people too much to, to, to try to sugarcoat the Bible or whitewash it. That we actually tell people, hey, this is, you may have demonic strongholds, but that's okay because there's one who is greater, who lives on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And whatever chains, whatever shackles, whatever grips. So you have a, you have a, a, a shredder in front of you. I've written a whole bunch of things down because every year, and, and he, here's why I, I always write stuff down. The reason I write it down is because to me, this is a very sacred moment. Pastor Matt will tell you these shredding machines were imported from Israel, from the land of Israel itself. Some of the top rabbi, they're not from Israel, but the top rabbis did, the top, we didn't have rabbi. They're from Staple? All right, so there's nothing special about these shredding machines. They're just ordinary. There's nothing special about the shredding machines. They're just ordinary shredding machines. But this is what God told me many, many years ago. Because I remember one time, you know, I was writing, I'm like, oh, you know, people might see that, I, you know, I put lust down. <gasps> He's the senior pastor. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I won't write it down. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, whatever pride gets you to keep, you'll take with you into the new year. I'm determined pride. You can shut your dang mouth. I ain't taking into 2023 the things that put limits, the things that brought a lack of peace or torment, the things that brought compromise, the things that kept me from being all that I could be in 2022. I ain't taking it over into 2023. I'm going to give God the very, very best. 
I'm going to give God every opportunity to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask, hope or think according to the great power at work in us by writing stuff down on this shredder. So when it comes to, to shredding, can I, can I just encourage you that you and I are called to break agreements. Break agreements. There are only two worlds operating, two kingdoms. Kingdom one is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates on God has said. The devil's kingdom operates on has God said. Whether you realize or not, you live under a word. You live under a word that God has said. And if you don't have a God has said over your life, trust me, the devil will come and say, has God really said he wants you healthy? Has God really said that you ought to pro-? Has God really said that you're going to walk in blessing? Has God really said that you can expect to have a great marriage? You? Are you kidding? You? Have you looked at your past? Have you looked at the chain that, of, of generations that have come to break those things, break generational curses, break generational alignments. One of the first things that God had to deal with me uh, was we were serving in New Zealand and we had this prophet and was the same prophet who prophesied over me at the end of Bible college that sent me to New Zealand. Now he was coming, he was preaching in our church in New Zealand and he pulled me out and he says, Jürgen, he says, God wants to do great things in your life. And I'm like, oh, come on. Yes, that's what I'm believing for. And then he said this, but he can't. And so I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? What do you mean he can't? God can do anything. He says, God wants to do great things in your life, but he can't because you have a second best mentality. And every time God brings you his best, and usually there's a test to releasing the best, he says, you'll accept the devil's you could have this or you can have what's in the, you can take the cash, you can take the, and how many times I traded the cash for what God had. I traded the second best. And so I realized I had a, and the reason I had a second best mentality was because of the dysfunctions and the abuse growing up. That as a little boy, I had dreams. I had, little boy, I had hopes. I had expectations, but they were shut down again and again and again. And the disappointments overwhelmed where it was just safer for my heart not to believe for the best anymore, but just to, to, to settle for second best and, and just accept second best. And hey, second, near enough is good enough. But now that I was in the kingdom, the prophet came and the prophet said, God wants to do great things through your life, but he can't because you got a second best mentality. I had to go back into my past. I had to forgive my dad. I had to relive some of those moments. And I had to release and I had to forgive. And I found God healing my heart, healing my life. And all of a sudden, fresh vision, fresh revelation came. And I'd love to tell you today that, that today I believe God for the best. And, and still there are moments where I will default to, and the Holy Spirit's like, where are you going? Come on, come on. The God that you serve, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as well as the thousand hills where the cattle are grazing. You might have heard stuff like money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, maybe, maybe you grew up and your, your, your mother and father split up and you saw the abuse and you saw the pain. And so something in your heart says, I'm never going to trust a man. Men can't be trusted. We, we, we carry these inner vows. We carry these things into our present. We don't realize they put ceilings. They create dysfunctions. 
You don't want to live under any other word other than God has said. Make, make your life, make 2023. The only word I'm living under is the word of God. I'm not living under the word of a school teacher who says you'll never amount to anything. I'm not living under the word of an abusive alcoholic parent who told me I was no good and I'm disappointed and you should have never been. I'm not living under that word anymore. I'm not living under the word of the experts. I'm not living under the word of someone who called me a failure when my first business venture fa- I'm not living under the, I'm, bra- I'm you know what? I'm gonna write those words down. I'm gonna bring them forward and I'm shredding them tonight. Heavenly Father, tonight all I want to do is I want to live under your word. I want to live under the all things are possible network. When God releases his word, his word alone has power. Do you know the Bible says that God releases his word and it never comes back to him void. It always accomplishes that for which it's sent forth. There is one word in the universe that always produces fruit. That word came into the earth clothed in flesh. The devil tried to kill it. He crucified it on a cross. Then he stuck it into a tomb. He rolled a stone over the entrance of the tomb and just for, for for security, he put two Roman centurions saying, (laughs) get out of that one. Well, guess what? On the third day, you couldn't keep the Word of God in the tomb. You couldn't keep the Word of God in the ground. You couldn't keep the the Word of God conquered death. The Word of God conquered hell. The stone was rolled away. The, the, the The Roman soldiers who were these tough soldiers fainted fainted and were were out as angels come. Jesus rose and sits at the right hand of God. The Word over your life is the Word of God. Take God's promise. Don't take any other word. Don't don't let thoughts, don't let let covenants that you've made, agreements that you've made, inner vows that you've made. I'll never prosper. Poverty is always going to be my lack. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have a great marriage. Break those things tonight. Break those things tonight in Jesus' Name. Come on. Do you believe that tonight? If you receive that, give God a great praise. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I know we've got the the keys up here. Are we going to put the? Are we going to leave these here? Or are we going to bring them up? We're going to bring them up onto the platform. Who's ready to do some shredding tonight? <laughs> How many people love BJ State? I don't know if if there is a, a more wonderful human than you, BJ. You and your beautiful bride, you guys are amazing. All right, is that on? Can I test it? Oh, that feels good. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. So in just a moment, I'm just gonna just release and, and I want you just to, to come. But take a moment and write some stuff. Just, just in fact, just close your eyes right now because the Holy Spirit is here. Does any, anybody know who the Holy Spirit is? He's the helper. He's the helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you the helper, the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit, He is so beautiful. He'll come in a moment like this, in a place like this, and He'll help you right now. He's your helper. He'll remind you of something from your past. Maybe it was a word spoken. Maybe it was a vow that you made, a declaration. Maybe you said, I'm never ever going to. I'm never getting married. I'm never going to bring children into this world. And now you're struggling to conceive. Your words have power. Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. Let the Holy Spirit right now visit with you.
Let Him visit with you. I want to prophesy over you. 2023 is going to be the greatest year of your life. Because tonight, you're going to give the devil the bird, the middle finger. And you're going to say to the devil, you know what, devil? You jacked up 22, 21, 20. You ain't, you're not welcome in 23. Some of the garbage you put over my life, some of the ceilings I've been living under, no more. Tonight I'm shredding them at this altar. I'm walking in freedom. I'm walking in newness. 2023, when the power of God falls, it's not going to fall on my dysfunction. It's not going to fall on my brokenness. It's not going to fall on my, it's going to fall on God's promise. It's going to fall on His Word. The greatest year, the greatest year of my life I'm about to step into. So come on, why don't you just begin to allow the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to write down. And as you're ready, come on down. Come on down and begin to shred. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.